0: CHAPTER seven OF KIT AND KITTY BY RICHARD Doddridge BLACKMORE. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. CHAPTER seven. DE GUSTIBUS. Now my uncle Cornelius Orchardson, a stout and calm fruit grower, called in contumely, "Corny the Topper," by strangers who wanted his growth for nothing, professed and even practised a large contempt for gossip. Nevertheless, it was plain enough that his feelings were hurt, if a thing went on which he was bound in politeness to know, and yet was not offered any tidings of it. With such people it is always wiser, if you have done anything against their wishes, to let them know all the particulars at once, and so to have it out and be done with it. And I was beginning to love him now, which as a boy I had done but little, inasmuch as he never gave way to me. Obstinate as he was, and sometimes hot, if one tried to play tricks with him, I was not much afraid of Uncle Corny, Although so dependent upon him, for I knew him to be a just man in the main, and one who kept no magnet of his own to fetch down the balance to his own desires. Yea, rather he would set the beam against himself, when it trembled in doubt of its duty. With the hasty conclusions of youth, I believe that because he was now an old bachelor, though able to afford a wife many years ago, he had taken and held to an adverse view of the fairer and better half of the human race, and his frequent counsels to me to keep out of their way confirmed my conviction. The course of time proved that I was wrong in this, as in many other matters of my judgment, and my rule, if I had to begin with, would be to think the best of every man, "'till he compels me otherwise. "'But the worst of Uncle Corney "'was that he never cared to vindicate himself. "'His countenance also was in keeping with this manner, "'and the build of his body and the habit of his gait. "'His figure was tall, yet wide and thick, "'and his face very solid and ample. "'He had never been comely by line and rule, "'yet always very pleasant for an honest man to look at, "'and likely to win the good word of a woman, "'because there was strength and decision in his face.' and a power of giving full meaning to his words, which were generally short and to the purpose, and especially he was gifted with a very solid nose, not of any Roman or Grecian cast, but broadly English and expansive, and expressive, and sometimes even waggish when he told an ancient tale, knowing that he would be quite sure to hear of my adventures soon, even if he had not heard already, for Sunbury is a fine place for talk, entrusting to his better feelings which were always uppermost after a solid supper when he stirred his glass of hot rum and water and had his long pipe lit for him. I began upon him that very night with what my mind was full of, for Tabby Tapscott was now gone home, after looking at me rather queerly. "'What a knowledge of the world you have, Uncle Corny!' I exclaimed at the end of his favorite tale concerning Covent Garden. Your advice must be worth more than the counsel of the cleverest lawyer in London. or honest, at least, and no fee to pay, he answered rather testily, for he hated all humbug and compliments. What have you been at, young man? Is it my advice or my aid you want? A little of both, or a lot of one and a little of the other. I have made the acquaintance of a sweet young lady, the gentlest and loveliest and most graceful and modest "'and elegant, and accomplished, and lofty-minded, and noble-hearted, and... and... "'Angelic. Angelic is the word, Kit. Don't begrudge it. "'It saves such a lot of the others.' "'Yes, angelic,' I replied with firmness. "'And even that is not half good enough. "'You know nothing of such matters, Uncle Corny. "'Then what is the use of my advice? "'You'd better go to Tabby Tepscott. "'This threw me out a little.' "'but I would not be browbeaten. "'If you have no wish to hear any more about her "'and compare her to an old creature like Tabby, "'all I can say is that I'm sorry for your taste. "'Very sorry for your taste, Uncle Corny.' "'Well, well, go on, Kit. "'Let us have it all while we're about it. "'Rasp the baker told me something. "'He has brought down a girl from London "'who can make shortbread and maids of honour. "'No wonder you fell in love with her. "'You may try to provoke me, but you shall not succeed.' "'Because you know no better. "'What will you say when I tell you "'the young lady is the niece of Miss Coldpepper "'of Coldpepper Manor?' "'I looked at Uncle Corny with a glance of triumph "'and then stood up to breathe again after my own audacity. "'But instead of being terrified, he took it very coolly. <clears throat> "'Well, a cat may look at a king, "'pursuing his pipe with his usual discretion, "'and I suppose you have only looked at her... "'though somebody said you pulled her out of our watercross brook. "'Sir, I have had two delightful talks with her, "'and I mean to have another tomorrow. "'Not that I have any hope, of course, I am well aware, "'that you are unworthy to worship her shoestring "'and lie down for her peg-heels to tread on. "'If she likes you, I don't see why you shouldn't have her. "'By and by, I mean, when you get a little wiser. "'But has the girl got any money?' "'I hope not.' I hope not. From the bottom of my heart it would be yet another obstacle. She is as high above me as the heaven is above the earth. Without, without even a penny in her pockets. Flies all the higher because her pockets are so light. He spoke with a jocosity which appeared to me most vulgar. Don't look as if you longed to knock me over, Kit. By the way, I heard that you had floored Sam Henderson. If so, you deserve the best maid that ever looked into a looking-glass. What do you want me to do, my lad? I know a little of those people. I wondered what people he meant, but feared to ask him for the moment, lest I might lose the chance of getting the favor I had set my heart on. It is a very simple thing, I said, and need not take your time up. Mrs. Marker is longing to see your garden, and if she may come tomorrow afternoon she will bring the young lady, and I can show them round. You need not stir a step or even turn your head.' It is quite enough to have one head turned. They may come if they choose, but they must not bother me. Hand me the jar of tobacco, Kit, and be off to the books, instead of spooning. My uncle might easily have taken a more ample and cordial view of the question. Still, I was pleased not to find him worse, and ordered our crock-boy on the Tuesday morning to fetch a little round while he ate his breakfast, and leave a note for Mrs. Marker at the lodge of the cold pepper grounds, near the dairy which the housekeeper visited early, and then I went to gather and basket a quarter of Keswick codlin and quarantines. This occupied all the forenoon, and what with seeing that they were picked aright and sorted in the firsts and seconds, and fairly packed with no rubbish at the bottom into bushel baskets, and yet presented smiling with their eyes upward to meet the gaze of the purchaser, the day went so fast that it was dinner-time before I could sit down and dwell upon my heart. Then... At a reproachful glance from Selsey Bill, our orchard foreman, who had heard the church clock strike one, and felt it to the depths of his capable stomach, I set three fingers to my teeth, and blew the signal, which is so welcome to the men who have lived upon nothing but hope ever since half-past eight o'clock. It is not to be denied, however, that I had taken pretty sharp advantage of being well mounted from time to time on the upper rungs of a ladder, which gave me command of the Haliford Road, the higher road, I mean, for the lower now was stopped and except to carts and carriages, in such a manner that none could come from that part of the world without my knowledge, seeing only a bedlar and some few women, highly interesting to themselves, no doubt, but not concerning my state of mind. I went in to dine with Uncle Corny and took care to eat none of his onions. What cheeks you have got, Kit! He cried with a laugh, and it is not from eating too much dinner. You have stolen the color of my quarantines. Eat, boy, eat, or how will you pull through it? No more visits from young ladies if you are to go off your head like this. You have to put the new mustard spoon into the salt. A pretty muddle, I'm afraid, among my apples. Being always very dutiful, I let him have his crumble, and presently he lit his pipe and made off for the packing shed. Though the load was not going till tomorrow night then I put myself into a little better trim, feeling that the best I did could never make me fit to look round the corner of a wall at somebody, although I was considered in our village a smart and tidy and well-built young fellow, and one of the girls at the linen-drapers had sent me a valentine last spring, said to be of her own composition, beginning, Thou noble and majestic youth, thy curls and thy ruddy cheeks proclaim the truth, that whenever I think of thee, I have a sigh, and if thou provest false, I shall jump into the Thames and die. But it was in vain for me to think of this at present. It gave me no support at all worth having, and even a book of poetry, which I put into my pocket, might just as well have been the list of pots and pans from Turnham Green. Before I could get into any real courage, there came a gentle double knock, as if from the handle of a parasol, "'at the green door near the corner of the wall, "'and then a little laugh, "'and then a sweet voice said, "'Oh, Jenny, don't you think we had better go back? "'Are you sure that Auntie said that I might come?' "'In dread of further doubts I ran up promptly "'and opened the door, and brought them in, and locked it. "'This young lady,' began Mrs. Marker, "'as if they were come for her sake only,' has never seen any fruit garden, fruit orchard, fruit establishment, or whatever the proper name is, and I thought perhaps before she goes back to London this would enlarge her store of knowledge, and her father, who is a very learned man, might like to hear her account of it. Now keep your eyes open, Miss Kitty, and see all. You would fancy that she noticed nothing, Mr. Orchardson, by the way she goes on in her quietness, and— "'Yet when you come to talk afterwards "'it turns out that nothing has escaped her blue eyes, "'and she can tell ten times as much as I can, "'and I am considered pretty accurate, too. "'But we must pay our respects to your uncle, "'Mr. Cornelius Orchardson. "'I always like to do the proper thing, "'business first and pleasure afterwards.' "'He will smile when he hears how you have put it. "'He is very busy now at the packing-shed, "'but he told me to take you wherever you liked.' and he will come down when he has made out his list. On the left you have the peach wall, and on the right the plums, and the figs are getting very ripe down this alley. We very seldom eat much fruit ourselves, because we have such a lot of it, but we always long to get ladies' opinions because of the delicacy of their taste. "'It is a perfect shame,' said Mrs. Marker, while making up her mind what to begin with, "'that in such a paradise there should be no lady.' to give you the knowledge of good and evil? I brought a silver knife with me in case of being tempted, not that I mean to taste anything, of course, unless my opinion should be absolutely required. My constitution is not strong, Mr. Kit, and I am compelled to be very careful. I knew what was meant by that, having heard it often. You shall have nothing, madam, but the very best, I answered, for we never throw away an opportunity like this. "'What shall we offer first for your judgment?' Kitty? what do you say?' "'She turned as if in doubt. "'You know, my dear, how careful we must be. "'This young lady, Mr. Kit, "'allows me to call her Kitty in our private moments. Kit and Kitty, what a very strange coincidence!' "'I could not help looking at the beautiful Miss Fairthorne. "'and to my eyes she became more beautiful than ever, "'for a deep blush spread upon her lovely cheeks, "'and she turned away and said—' I leave it quite to you. If Mrs. Marker had been planning all the morning how to get the best of the tasting to herself, and to render her judgment supreme, she could hardly have hit upon a better device than this, for her young companion became so nervous and so much confused, and I myself so diffident and deeply occupied, that our only object was to fill the lady housekeeper's mouth and keep it running over with nothing worse than fruit.' Now and then I ventured to steal a glance at the one with whom my heart was filled, as if to ask whether she would ever forgive me for my sad name Kit, but her eyes were afraid to encounter mine, or if by any chance they did so the light that was in them wavered like a timid gleam pursued by cloud. To relieve this trouble I began to chatter vague nonsense to the other visitor, who was falling too in earnest. Everything is out of time this year and nothing up to character— There has been no sunshine on this wall until you ladies shone upon it, and what amazes me most is to find that anything has any color at all. Here is a gros mignon now, a week ago as green as a leek, and covered now with downy crimson, except just where a leaf has made a pale curve across it, like the pressure of a finger on your cheek. Taste it, Mrs. Marker, you are not getting on at all. Let me see, that makes seven, I think.' I shall have lost my taste before we get among the gauges. Thank you, I am sure. Oh, how lovely and delicious! Luscious, perhaps, is the better expression. There goes ever so much more juice on my dress. I ought to have brought a bib, Mr. Kit, and I will if ever I come again. But would you not say it was just the least thought woolly? She had never heard of such a thing before, but I had taught her, and she was growing critical. Kitty dear, you are tasting nothing— don't you consider that just an atom woolly? Very likely it is, I don't know enough to say, but I never remember tasting wool with so fine a flavor in it. Perhaps I was not in a proper mood to judge, but verily this appeared to me to show an inborn aptitude for taking the management of the fruit, and the government of the grower. To exaggerate is altogether out of my nature, and I find it a great mistake to be ecstatic." but in spite of all that I would have given every sixpence allowed me by my uncle Corney, who was always afraid of allowing me too much, if only I could have conveyed to this exquisite judge my opinion of her sentence. But that blessed discovery of Mrs. Marker's about the everlasting fitness of our names, upon which I had been dwelling in my heart long before her stupid slowness blurted it, this, I say, had acted in a very awkward manner upon a mind infinitely higher than hers, and yet I hoped humbly that it might suggest something which might be for the best if left alone. Things being so, it was not at all amiss that a loud voice reached us from the clipped yew-hedge which was set across to break the north winds here. "'Kit, where the deuce are you gone mooning? I thought you would have come up with the ladies long ago.' "'We are here looking from a distance at your peaches.' Oh, Mr. Orchardson, how lovely they do seem! Mrs. Marker lost her dignity by giving me a wink, believing as she did, and many others thought the same, that I was next to nobody in these gardens and that my uncle a tiger over every fruit he grew. We have had as many peaches as we can eat, sir, I said, without any wish to contradict her, but simply to show the position I held. Ladies will excuse my present plight. He had no coat on, and his sleeves were tucked up, showing a pair of thick, brown arms. My peaches are very poor this year, and many have split their stones and and rot instead of ripening. We have not had such a season since 1852. I hope that you will not judge us by the wretched things you see, but come on a little further and try something else. All fruit is water, such a year as we have had, but possibly I may find a plum or two worth eating. "'Allow me the pleasure, sir.' "'said Mrs. Marker, who always insisted on proper forms, "'of introducing you to Miss Fairthorne, "'the only daughter of the captain, "'or as he now is considered Professor Fairthorne, "'a gentleman of the highest scientific tendencies.' "'To be sure,' said Uncle Corny, "'as he took his hat off and smiled with surprise at her beauty. "'I knew Captain Fairthorne years ago, "'and a very noble man he is.' I have very good cause to remember him, but I will not trouble you with that now. Mrs. Marker, if you would just turn this corner, take care of your most becoming bonnet, young lady. This pleased a good housekeeper more than twenty plums. Our trees are not as sensitive as we are. His urbanity amazed me, for I never could have thought a good man could be so inconsistent, and I said to myself that after all there is something irresistible in women— "'so I ventured to sidle up to Miss Fairthorne "'as he led the way with his convoy "'and asked her what she thought of him. "'Oh, I think he's so nice,' she replied, "'smiling at me as if she was pleased with my question. "'So upright and manly and such a fine countenance. "'No wonder I am sure that his fruit is good. "'Did you notice how much he was surprised at you "'at your very pretty dress and exceedingly sweet smile "'and most ladylike appearance?' "'and silvery voice and lovely, lovely way of holding your parasol. "'How can you talk such nonsense, Mr. Orchardson? "'And your uncle appears such a sensible man. "'Dear me, we are losing all the wise things he can say. "'Let us hurry on. "'It was this way, I think. "'No, no, don't you hear their voices down this path? "'Not twenty yards off, if it were not for these trees. "'Oh, do let me carry your parasol. "'You will want both hands to get along.' Before you know where we are, we shall be in the broad road. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was all my fault. You must let me undo the mischief I have done. May I show you how well I understand all roses? By good luck, combined with some little skill of mine, her simple yet wholly adorable frock was captured in three places by gooseberries, whom I envied. I expected great delight from this. But she showed at once the sweetness of her temper and her height above me, Instead of blushing stupidly, she smiled and said, "Thank you, I will do it for myself; you can hardly be expected to understand such things." End of chapter seven